0: Cool, I guess we'll kick off. Um, So today we wanted to sit down and have a chat with Matt, who will introduce himself in a second, um, about a really exciting thing that's happened, and that is the release of your TED Talk, but before we dive into that I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Kashi. I'm the community and events exec at THI. Um so my job is all about managing the community and and kind of relaying what you guys want and what what you know what HR news is happening. And so today I'm going to sort of bring forward the most asked questions and the things we really want to know from Matt about the TED Talk and the process that went into that. So Matt, I'm going to hand over to you. Do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, please, Kashi. So I am Kashi's colleague, uh, Matt, Matt Phelan. I'm a co-founder of the Happiness Index and yeah, I'm just a big believer in our community and we just wouldn't, we're, we're just not, the Happiness Index, although, is well known we're um, still quite a relative in relative terms a small private company mm. um, and we wouldn't get where we want to be able to go without our community and that our community is as wide as I see it, is our employees I see it as our customers beyond that we have so many people that don't work for us or not a customer yeah that love they just love spreading our vision freedom to be human and I'm sure Kashi you could probably think of 20 of them now that are active in the community yeah, so it, yeah I just wanted to it, it's just great because Kashi and I are normally interviewing other people and talking about other stuff so it's nice just to hang out with Kashi for for a bit and, and talk about what we're up to
0: yeah nice to sort of get get the message out there and sort of really delve into what what this TED talk was about and really what THI is all about and the kind of message that we want to spread Um so firstly what how how do you end up doing a TED talk like how does that come about <laughs>
1: Well, firstly, someone called Toby messages you on LinkedIn and says, have you ever thought of doing a TED talk? <laughs> um, but I suppose on my phone, I have um, I have a Michael Jordan quote, which I've always kept on my phone, which is always turn a negative situ- always turn a negative into a positive. Yeah. But anytime there's a really bad thing happen, I always think to myself, right, how can I turn this into a positive? Um, and I have that on my phone as a reminder. And when the pandemic hit, and obviously, like all of us, I was locked down, um, and I'm quite a social person. It's why I love being part of the Happiness and Humans community, um, and I just couldn't go out. And I love going out; it's a big, big part part of what I like doing. And I thought, you know what? I've always wanted to write our research and data into a book. Yeah. So I wrote a book called "Freeing to Be Happy: The Business Case for Happiness." And Toby, who is the curator, I think that's the right word, of yeah. TEDx Brighton read the book I don't I need to ask him how he came across the book Um, and just said oh I think this would be a good talk and then we had a bit of a chat and I told him I was scared Um, but what you realize behind Ted is there is a huge infrastructure of support yeah Um, and if anyone who's listening ever gets invited to do a test just do one because the learning process behind the scenes is is really cool and and Toby and I have to um, call out Alex as well. She was brilliant. They sit you down and they help you go from loads of ideas to one core story. So yeah, it, it, that simply you, I got a message on LinkedIn.
0: That's amazing. Do you mind if I ask what were you worried about? What were you? Was, was what was the apprehension before doing it?
1: I think you know with TED, it comes with uh, that video is going to be there forever.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So I do talks all the time. I've gone from, the first time I had to do a talk, and I'm just sharing my own mental health thinking process, is that first time I had to do a talk was in Canterbury. And I remember thinking in my head, if I get run over, that would be, on the way to the talk, I remember thinking, if I get run over, that would be better than having to do this talk. That's that's (laughs) like, I I do joke about it, even though it's a serious thing. Um, But that's what I was thinking in my head. And obviously, talking in front of people is not worse than getting run over, clearly not. But um, we know from our neuroscience training, Kashi, that sometimes emotional um, something emotional that isn't physical can hurt you as much as something that's physical. And and I personally think that we all carry loads of baggage from our school years that hold us back in life. And I'm not here to psychoanalyse myself, but I am sure there was some school stuff holding me back there. Maybe like nagging doubts of people who told me that I couldn't do stuff and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to turn it into an X-Factor X, X sub-story before they do their ballad. But I, that that's why. Um, but now I talk every week and I do stuff like this every week. It's just become normal. And I encourage every single person that feels like they can't be a speaker or is worried about it um is to go and uh do something like toastmasters so toastmasters um it's a it's a it's a support network for anyone who wants to do a talk and the reason i love um toastmasters you basically go to the toastmasters website just google it put in your postcode um and it will tell you where your local meetup is you go to your local meetup and they basically take you through the different steps of becoming a speaker um It was free when I did it, but I'm sure now it's like 10, 15 pounds. It's it's that sort of budget to do it. Um, And what I loved about it, it wasn't for business. It was like, when I did it, my cohort, someone was doing a best man speech. Someone had a job interview coming up. And it's really about confidence speaking. And I think um, Noelle, who's in our finance team, I don't know if you know this, Kashi, but she studied drama.
0: Really? Oh, that's amazing.
1: And she once, she said, she said to me once that um, people think that pe- people think if you hear someone as a drama student that they're confident. Yeah. Now what Noel reverses it and says people who, people are confident because they've done drama. They're not confident and they've done drama because they're like jazz hands and want to show off and stuff. Co- drama has actually given them confidence, and Toastmasters gave me that first. Like your first. Thing that you have to do is a is an icebreaker which is only 30 seconds you have to introduce yourself like I just did at the beginning of this but yeah. doing that the first time that's scary as well so um that's why I was scared <laughs>
0: <laughs> well no that's really interesting and I think that Toastmasters thing sounds really really um like a really useful tool and quite a nice like stepping stone into doing something like that um but yeah, so back to the TED Talk. Um apologies, I derailed us a little bit there. But so what was the title of your TED Talk? What was it called?
1: So we bounced around loads of titles. I'm sure all TED Talks start like that. Um and I think I say at the beginning of the TED Talk, something like if I named it what it actually was, people probably wouldn't listen to it because <laughs> our data team um helped delve into what is effectively 12 million data points. So wow. Data points are just things that we're learning, like it's coming back from the anonymous feedback from people all around the world. So we we collect data from approximately 100 countries, and that approximately is from about 1 million um, employees. So I ended up putting the creative storytelling bit together with the data bit and came up with 12 million lessons in happiness. Um, And it seems to have worked. People seem to be, I've, I've had loads of requests today for the slides and stuff. I'll pop them up tomorrow at some point. Yeah. but um yeah that's that's effectively what it is and it it really comes from the you can't go on linkedin without a random giving you a quote on culture these days and that's that's kind of useful because sometimes it's like a famous quote which is cool but generally the quote is either by them or by one person which yeah. is skewed to their experience so right now you've got like alan sugar saying people who don't go back to the office are lazy and all this kind of stuff All these quotes are one person's experience, so they have their own bias. So I felt like the world doesn't need to have a white guy standing up saying, oh, this is what makes you happy, because that would be from my experience. Um, So what I felt would be useful when Toby invited me is if I spoke to our data team and try and capture what we've learned from those data points, but also like what we've learned from running the happiness index and try and bring those two together. So like one of the points is not making happiness a target. That's not a data point and yeah. um, But the point about um, you being the average happiness of your team is a data point. So it's a mix. The beginning bit is a mix of our experience and what we've learned from measuring happiness. And then it builds up to the unique data that we've observed. And again, because the happiness index is supposed to be what we call a human insight partner. I'm not there. I didn't do a TED Talk to tell people what to do with the data. I'm just sharing the data. I'm not saying this is what you now need to do with your life. I'm just saying this is what we've observed maybe that could help you in your own life or at work so it's not there to tell or preach it's just to say oh we've observed this
0: absolutely i think that's something that i've noticed especially with um THI and the kind of data that we put out and, and the resources that we put out is a lot of people have messaged me within the community just sort of saying you know it's really nice that you guys share this kind of information not because it's like telling us what to do but because it helps to make an informed decision and it can help inform their strategies um, yeah. and I think that's really important um, to know especially with the data points that that you sort of melded with you know a mixture of what you've observed and also just other people's lived experiences, because how else are we going to learn about what make people happy and what we can do to improve people's lives and the workplace?
1: And, 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 And I'm really passionate about this point because so many people, they want fact and truth in their life. And the reality is all data sets are what happened in that moment in time. Now we know, and if we go into quantum a little bit, I won't go into this too much today, but we know Go and check out the double uh, split, um, double slit experiment um, on YouTube. And it's to do with uh, quantum mechanics. But it it even talks about how even the presence of uh, an observer changes the result of an experiment. So I think one of the problems that we have is with science, uh, and I see this as someone who's really passionate about science, is that we present data as fact. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: And I think it's important that we start to present data as this is the the most that we know about this situation and here's the information now you make your choices and the reason I think that's really important is because if you don't present data like that you open the door up to things like conspiracy theory because if you present something as fact even though it's just the best that we know about it you allow someone to find little little problems with it and then go ah I've caught this professor out at whatever university. Yeah. This, But actually when I did it, this happened because quite often they work on like statistic viability, like, I don't know, 90% of people act like this. So then the research piece says, this is good for you if you do this.
0: Yeah. But
1: it doesn't understand like the context, what your personal DNA is and so on. So, um, and the medical world does a lot of that. Um, And we've seen that in the last two or three years. So I just think a bit more openness from data and research and science and everything about being honest that what we're presenting is in fact, it's just what happened in that t- period of time and it could, cause it could change the next time we observe it.
0: I think that's, yeah, that's a really good point. Cause you know, like people, which is what, you know all the data is being observed from it constantly changing. People are constantly changing. Time is constantly moving forward and you know every situation is going to be different. And I think um, like you said, with data being presented as facts, I feel like a lot of people tend to shy away from like statistics and data and, and that kind of logical like mentality, because it's almost a bit scary because what if that doesn't happen? And then you're like, Oh my God, am I like just an anomaly in yeah. this whole situation? But in yeah. reality, you just got to be a bit more open to the fact that, you know, nothing is really set in stone.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and that's where I- I love the there's a there's a saying about quantum physics, which is if you think you understand quantum physics, you don't understand quantum physics. So <laughs> and it, the problem is that let's not get into politics today, but everything becomes left and right. And everything's just like you've got a bunch of people here that think like this, and a bunch of people here that think like this, and not and everyone ever nobody's listening to each other. And and for me that's that that's the worst case scenario. And we see that across a lot of the world. But at the moment, in terms of TED talk, we're just trying to share data on what we know um the drivers of happiness are and some other bits and bobs and we hope our vision of the happiness index is freely to be human and we hope what that means is we help hope that employers use that information to create a better work environment that's that's simply all we want to achieve with it
0: absolutely wicked wicked and so like in terms of the um the structure of your talk and the things that you covered like what was what if you could give people like a quick rundown of like what, what was your talk about? Like what, what did you include?
1: So um, one of the things I'll give you behind the scenes of, of Ted <laughs> is one of the successes of Ted, which you learn when you get behind the scenes is that most talks, what I didn't want to do is do the story talk, which is like once I was in a queue at a cafe uh, shop, And then this person said something to me and it changed my life forever. I didn't want to do that because those stories are there. That's what I mean by like the X factor story. I just wanted to bring some data in, but still we are human beings and we do love stories, but whether you abandon that route, which I wanted to, um, you still need to take people up to the top of the mountain and show them that there's two ways that we can go forward. And that's kind of like behind the scenes Ted stuff. And so the, the byline of the uh, type of the of the talk is called the super super happiness suit of inbuilt emotional deflector field, and um, and the reason it is that is because a lot of people talk about how it works, like we wear this mask and we put this mask on. Mm-hmm. What, what I sort of when I went through our data, what I realised is that human beings are just way more sophisticated at hiding their emotions than a mask, because the body language, there's the rest of it. So I wanted to build something visually that people could could see. And I have to credit Oren Bowman, who I tested the, tested the presentation on, and he was like, I like it, but I just can't imagine the suit, which is why I found the manga comic um, illustrator to do the slides, which, which, like I said, grab the slides if you want them. Um, but you take people at the top of this mountain and the, and the data behind mental health is horrific, because you can't talk about happiness without talking about mental health. And they are different things. But I just wanted to lay it out there like the burnout stats, the suicide stats. Like, there is a cost to all of us pretending to be people that we're not um, and pretending that we're okay when we're not just to get through a meeting or get through a pitch. So, that's a kind of like we can continue down this route. But if we do, here's this cost. I don't see um, these things like burnout and suicide rates getting better with the way that we're currently going. I don't I don't see it. I see the opposite happening. Either they stay the same, which is horrible, or they get worse. Um, and I'm quite an optimistic person. <laughs> but when I actually look at the reality of what I see in our data and and, and I read what what employees are experiencing I do not I d I don't I don't see things getting better unless there's change. So rather than just being the doom monger, I, I felt like, right, I'll present the different roads. then i can use our data to help people plot their own path forward and again rather than tell people this is the answer and people want that from a ted talk that's how like short we want stuff 12 minutes bang i've got the i've got the answer to life and i'll just follow that ted talk for the rest of my life it doesn't work like that yeah um so yeah that that's kind of the 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 basis of, of, of how i put it all together
0: yeah i quite like that as a roadmap almost it's it's sort of like it's kind of like one of those, um, one of those, uh, what's it called? A Christmas Carol where, you know, you get, you get shown all the different potential realities that could happen <laughs> yeah. depending on what what you do. And, and I think that's really important to look at. Cause I think, like you said, I agree. I don't, I don't see it getting any better unless change is made. And, you know, just through talking to so many of my friends and stuff that are at work and how they feel that you know dreading waking up for a monday morning and you know being so like miserable because they're like oh, I've got meetings this afternoon because they know that they're not their head's not in it yeah. and it's it's really sad it is really sad to see um and yeah like i'm i've sat in the corner very very fortunate that i you know finally don't feel that way about work <laughs> you know which is really nice but yeah it is very sad but um so I kind of want to take it back to the like a bit of the process again so what yeah. how did you feel being on stage like what was that like being because it was it was at the Brighton Dome which is such a legendary venue you know yeah. so how did that feel being stood on the red dot
1: well the Brighton Dome I mean I love history but I didn't even know it existed until a few years ago
0: really? and yeah
1: i was going into brighton for a night out and we were on a like a minibus or something and we went past it i was like why is that because it's so out of context isn't it like <laughs> you you know the era well kashi but to to your random guy from essex like me that's not that, that hadn't been around the world that much when yeah. i was you know, i was like "What is that like i just couldn't believe it like In the UK, if you're not from the UK and you're listening and you're used to seeing things like castles or stuff like that, but to see the Brighton Dome, it's just an unbelievable. If you don't know what we're talking about, go and Google it. It's an unbelievable building. And I think it was one of those sort of Victorian era things where Queen Victoria was in India and saw the Taj Mahal and pretty much said, I want one of them. Um, And then we end up building it. But firstly, I mean, it was. If you had to pick where you were going to do one in the UK, like I didn't get to pick, I was just invited, I've only been invited to one and it happened to be Brighton, that was cool, that was really cool, but then when it starts filling up, it's the biggest one in the UK, so I don't know how, I think there was a few thousand people in there, that's where it starts to get um, scary and then then it's like because because there's the, there's basically the whole site isn't there you've got the thing that looks at the Taj Mahal and then you've got like the dome bit that we were in or whatever I can't yeah. remember what all the names are you're probably
0: like it's linked to the pavilion which is like where I can't remember which monarch it was but someone took inspiration from the Taj Mahal like I think, think that's like that I think done. yeah
1: I think that's the Queen Victoria story but it's all on one location so when you arrive <laughs> yeah. you're like wow what is this place but um Credit goes to the team because there's a team behind Ted that really, really and I, I, I'm 99 sure they're all volunteers and don't get paid for it. Yeah. So they're there, they're experienced, they know what they're doing, um, they do a really good job of bringing the speakers together. So you become a, like a little team. Like I've I've made friends for life from the other speakers.
0: Lovely. Um,
1: and you got um, Adam Pearson, who I think's on, I think he's on like British Bake Off or something at the moment. I seen it oh on his Twitter. Gosh, page. That's
0: amazing.
1: Yeah, like he was the host and he did a really good job of, of calming everyone down because he'd done one before. Um, you're Googling it now, aren't you? <laughs> when you find out what it is gone, do do just tell us what it is.
0: I will but do.
1: They they did a great job of making everyone calm, but Toby said something that I thought and Alex is saying, everyone that's coming to a TED Talk wants you to succeed. Yeah. It's different once it's gone on live on YouTube, but because I'd only watched a TED Talk on YouTube, I was Slightly obsessed with the fact that I could look like an idiot for the rest of my life, which is totally ego-driven. <laughs> but then, simplifying it like that, like everyone comes to a TED Talk to, and they want you to achieve, they want you to, to do good. So I went up there, I promised myself less TED jokes, I wanted it to be more serious than, than normal, um, more, less dad jokes, even though my kids were there. Um, and just wanted to get the data out and let the data tell the story. So it, I probably went a little bit different to my normal style, but I just wanted to let the data stand up. Um, and like I said, I'm not just saying this to be nice. I'm just the um, the messenger of the Happiness Index's work. I'm just sharing the work of Kashi and and, and the whole team. So um, it was important for me just to get up there and deliver the message and not to make it too story. And what I mean is that's what I mean by... That I was in the I was in the queue at Cafe Nero one day and my my life changed. I didn't want it to be that type of talk. I just wanted it to be to showcase our work, but do it in an interesting way. And um, so yeah, it was scary, but we were well prepared. The only weird thing, and I think you know this from being there, is I have no memory of the talk. I won't watch it back because it's too, too cringe. I've seen bits of it on silent because I need to screenshot it to put it on and stuff, um, and I, I want to promote it because. Um, I think the work that happens in that's really important. Um, but one, I've no memory of it. And two, I won't watch it back. I, I am, I've never, got, I've, I've planned to, to work with someone um, who's like an acting coach to work on my presenting skills because I think everyone should keep trying to improve. we never got time to properly meet up, but I have sent it to her and I'm going to ask her to critically analyse it. I know for a fact there's too many errs and erms in there. Um, I, <laughs> I just know that I need to work on that. Yeah. But I, I will I will get some feedback and work on stuff to to improve it. I think that's important that we all do that through life.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Have you had any moments where, like, any of your friends and family have been watching it and you've, like, walked in and, like, heard a bit of yourself?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. One funny thing did happen, though, I once walked into a room and I saw my book in the room, but not in the way that you'd think someone would use it. To, you know when a table is, like, a bit wonky? <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, under the... It was under the leg. I was like, I recognise that.
0: <laughs> Look, it's got many purposes. It's multifunctional.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my family are pretty chill. They're not. They're, they're it struggles to get well done out of them. Um, they're, they're, it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. So it's like, um, I, but I know that means they're. Uh, well, I think I think that means they're proud of me. But you know, so no, nothing like that yet. But we'll see. We'll wait to see.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, we love that. Um. But yeah, so I guess, you know, we've talked through sort of what the talk was about, the sort of data points and the type of content that was in it. But in terms of what, when you, we talked about also about like the, the fact that you didn't want to be like preacher or teacher or sort of telling people what to do. But when you, when people walked out of that room, what did you want that lasting impact to be? Like, what did you want them to take away?
1: I think it was my own realisation that, the work of the Happiness Index is principally done for the benefit of business and work.
0: Yeah.
1: But actually we are analyzing human beings. Yeah. And what I wanted people to take away is realize that businesses are paying the Happiness Index to do what we do. They pay for our employee engagement and happiness platform. Yeah. And that's great. Um, companies all around the world use it. They, they pay subscriptions. And, and from what our customers say, they love it. But in my mind, that is basically sponsoring the greater good for us to collect this research and greater understanding of human behaviour. Yeah. So if you think about the two of the key points which are around happiness always goes up, but it always goes down, it always goes up, it always goes down and obviously see it like a heartbeat rather than the target. But also the realisation that the more you practise it, the healthier it gets and the higher it goes. Yeah. Um, and the other point around you're the average happiness of, of the people around you. Like, yeah, that, that, that's where the whole TED Talk's going. And it, and it's my own realisation, really, after all the years of work at the Happiness Index, is this stuff's for life. And that's obviously where the conclusion goes with it. Spoiler alert, obviously. Um, but that's I didn't want the high fives and the whoop whoops. Like, uh, I didn't feel like, because it's not that... This happened and my life changed and there's some brilliant ones there's some people have been through some horrific stuff have turned lives around that, that those stories should be told this is a story about about us all and human beings mm-hmm. and there's stuff in there that we can learn and businesses are paying for it but like we've got amazing clients they're brilliant they pay our invoices to be able to do this yeah. um but um, we can keep sharing this stuff and we can apply it into our lives. Um, you don't have to go and buy self-help books by someone who's written a self-help book because they want to sell a self-help book. Nothing against self-help books. Um, self-help and take responsibility for your own life, I believe is hugely important. But there's a whole industry that's there just to sell books.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so if we can keep sharing this stuff, um, which is sponsored by business, i like, uh, paid for by business, and then we take out that good stuff and share it, I think that's a really cool thing.
0: Definitely, definitely. I think, you know, the feedback we get from people who have been to our webinars, read the books, looked at the, you know, short reads and ebooks that we put out with all that kind of data in there has been so positive in the sense that, you know, it's it's not it's storytelling, but it's n- not like individual storytelling in a sense like it's it's bringing together multiple experiences and I think that's what's really valuable because it's all about like remembering that we're viewing things from so many different lenses yeah you know but I guess I mean you've you've achieved now TEDx Brighton that is bloody huge what what comes next what's next in the plan
1: well um what's happened really cool is that i've been approached by um a publisher to write my second book
0: nice so, yeah
1: so broadly freedom to happy was the first book um which was focused on happiness freedom to be human um which is all about thriving at work and so on is is taking this data but taking a deeper look because yeah. i think we had 15 minutes to do the ted talk i want i always wanted it not i always wanted it to be shorter than longer yeah, uh, wanted it to be like I'll say my thing. Uh, there was a there was someone who, uh, who I spoke to the night before. He'd done a TED talk before, and they gave me some great advice. Um, uh, ben, um, partner of Alyssa Forbes, check her uh, TED talk out. Absolutely brilliant. She's the um, CEO of Spaceport Cornwall.
0: Yeah. Ben
1: said to me, like, he's a great example of like a male ally, of someone supporting his his partner and the partner's career, and he was there to support her. But he said to me the night before when you're done you're done say your thing get off stage and i just took that i really took that in and but people want more detail on all the bits so we've collected data so like obviously it talks about the top drivers of happiness and psychological safety positive relationships so i'm doing a chapter on all the drivers it's going to go into all the brain stuff that clive highland um helps us with Um, instinctive emotional brains and all that all that all that stuff so we're going to get right into it so it's kind of like it's still one third geek because it's geeking out on data it's one third insight so it is interpreting that insight but then I'm going to bring experts in to like help us understand what you do if you get into these situations like what happens if you do have um, a workforce that is low on psychological safety what do you do about it so it basically is it's in writing at the moment but it's to share the data give some insight but then actually get practical because you can get books that I think are really practical or they're really visionary, but I want to bring the two together, basically.
0: Definitely. I think that's really useful. I think it's always um, the best way to learn, isn't it, is to be able to put that into practice and see it in this in a scenario. So I think that'll yeah. be really, really interesting to read. I can't wait to read it. Um, when Do we have, like, an expected timing, rough timing? Well,
1: I, think I'm, I think I'm supposed to finish the manuscript by the end of... Um the end of January okay. so now 20 like the early sort of spring 23 I All think nice. what the really where I'm trying to go with it is I had a really good reply to the, the TED talk yesterday which the TEDx talk someone said oh it's really nice to have a talk on happiness that's not happy clappy yeah I felt like that's that that was one of the reasons and why I did the TED talk because I have to remind people all the time, the difference between the happiness index and toxic positivity. And there's a, there's a bit on that in the TED talk, but I want to get deeper into that because that's where we've got the happiness as a heartbeat rather than the target stuff. I really want to get into that and help those people because there's also that danger that you go around telling everyone to be happy. Yeah. Um, even though I believe this area of happiness is really important. So I really want it to appeal to those people that get that this is what this is what they want but I don't want it to be happy clappy and toxic positivity so I'm really hoping to bring along the people that are like um instinctively care about employees yeah. we work with many of them but I want to bring in the next category of people now that are probably cynics still um and start to show them that this is we're not called the high happiness index we call it yeah. the happiness index. It's supposed to go up and down, and it's what you learn from those ups and downs and how you can improve the culture from that. So that's, that's what's next. Um, that's a lot of work to do. I mean, you weren't at the happiness index from the last one, Kashi. Yeah. Massive credit to L who helped me. Um, he's not going to be around this time for family reasons. But um, I think um, I said when the book came out, writing a book made me unhappy because the balance of family work and then chucking a book in was too much. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to gonna take a longer period to write at this time. So hopefully I don't end up becoming unhappy being an author.
0: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I think that's really good um, to spread that out for yourself. But, I mean, is there anything else coming up that we need to be keeping an eye on as we wrap no, up?
1: No, I just think keep engaging in the community. Keep messaging Kashi, like what you want more of, who you want to hear from. Yeah. Um, there's some wicked webinars coming up um in Cashy's in like plan for the rest of the year but let us know what type of webinars you want to have who you want to get on tag yeah. people introduce us to people the breakfasts are back they're london centric at the moment um but we're doing hr breakfasts where you can meet with us what the reason we started doing the breakfast is we did a bit of research a few years ago i don't know why i'm laughing because this isn't funny but the hr industry the unhappiest industry one of the unhappiest industries and what i realized is that HR people take a lot of emotional um, other people's emotional baggage on and they need a safe space where they can actually just eat a croissant and a coffee and just talk to their their peers about what's going on in life. So yeah. it's it really community support stuff. It's um yeah, I love them. I really, really miss them in lockdown. We did them virtually and I'm a massive fan of this new world where I can take my kids to school every day because we've got a hybrid workforce. But I still meet me. I still really missed meeting like our customers in the HR industry for coffee and just talking. about talking about life.
0: No, definitely, definitely. Well, keep your eyes peeled for the webinars and the HR breakfast. They'll be shared. They'll be happening pretty much monthly. So yeah, thanks, Matt, for joining us.
1: No worries. You. Thanks for having me on, Cashy. Cheers. Catch you later, everyone.
0: See ya.